Welcome to Hub City Homers episode 10. We have a big, big recap episode. Obviously, the SFA game did not go how anybody wanted. And as a result, we're going to be focusing a lot on that. This is another week where we're not going to get super in-depth in our opponent. We're going to focus more on what Tech needs to do to get better. Um, after that, we're just going to kind of play it by ear. We're going to take some look ahead at the schedule. We're going to talk a bit about Matt Wells' his job security. No, we're not calling for him to be fired. We're just playing with hypotheticals at this point. But, you know, there's a lot on the line coming into this Saturday night. Tech needs to look good. You know, there's no more excuses. He, first half against Houston was some of the worst football I've ever seen until Saturday night. Um, that, that was an absolute disgraceful football game. Tech more or less didn't show up in the game. I, I, I've very rarely been embarrassed to be a Tech fan. That was an embarrassing effort. Um, so we're gonna, just going to get right into that, start dissecting what went wrong, what can Tech fix, you know, where we stand right now. And we're going to start that by going to Jack, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep this one pretty obvious, you know. Offensively, the big, big, you know, massive, glaring problem is the inability of the offensive line to pass block. And for a unit as veteran as they are, it's really hard to explain. So, Jack, you're looking at what's happening with the offensive line. Uh, uh, I mean, is it fixable at this stage if these guys just can't get to their pass sets? You know, is, is there any reason for optimism with this group? You know, you would like to think so. I just can't for the life of me understand why a group that has this much experience can't do a basic pass block. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, to do it against, or to get run down or run over by OU or, you know, Iowa State is one thing, but to get just completely dominated by Stephen F. Austin is a completely different thing. Um Trey Self, Stephen F. Austin uh, quarterback, had a line that could block for him, and look what he did. You know, he all he did was throw for 343 yards and go 38 of 58. So that's what time in the pocket will allow you to do. But Tyler Shuck, you know, Tyler Shuck had a pretty, you know, so-so game. Uh, <laughs> the QB rating wasn't great, 21.7. Uh, fewest completions and fewest attempts in a game for a Texas Tech quarterback since the year 2000 with 12 completions on 22 attempts for 174 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, one of them I do, well, obviously you have the pick six on the sideline. That was a miscommunication. And then you have a ball that was pretty forced over the middle kind of late in the third quarter if I remember correctly that just wasn't he was getting uh pressure from the left and the right side so he kind of just stepped up and let it rip and uh you know there was two there were two guys over the middle and one of them picked it but as you mentioned back to the o-line I mean I bring that I bring that shuck stat up about the least amount of completions and attempts for a reason because if you can't pass block, I think that number might go down even more next week. I mean, I just I just can't I can't stand here and advocate for the air raid when your quarterback has less than two seconds to throw before there's someone on top of him. It's just it's inconceivable to me, especially with the amount of starts that are accumulated between the five guys on the line. And uh, you know, you had you had guys on the O-line 
you know, in the middle of the week in the press conferences before the SFA game say, you know, we got to get better. Well, I think it got worse and I didn't really think it could get worse, but I think it got worse. Uh, you know, Chuck had to move pretty much on almost every drop back he had. Um, there are times he had to take off. I'm pretty sure he probably took off, you know, five or six times just running the ball when, you know, it was a designed pass and yeah, you know, he can run, he's a mobile quarterback, but that's obviously not your first, uh, instinct when you're dropping back to throw the ball. So, uh, you know, offensive line looks great on the run, which, you know, it's really weird as a, as a long time tech fan to see that, uh, being more profitable on the running side of the ball than on the passing side. But, uh, you know, as long as Taj Brooks and, and uh, X White are doing their thing, you know, it's hard to not advocate for running the ball more. Um, I think you're running the ball, you're running the ball really well throughout the game. And uh, in the third quarter, I think you kind of got away from that a little bit. Uh, you came out and you scored and, uh, you know, you you kind of got away from it afterwards. You scored twice in the third quarter, but there were times when I thought that it was pretty obvious to just keep pounding the ball because they couldn't really stop it. But, uh, you know, the call from up above kept coming in for a pass and, you know, Shuck was being hounded on every play. These guys have to get it together on the line in the passing game or, uh, you know, we could be staring at some pretty major problems going forward. What about this game to me stands out besides the offensive line is how important it is for an offensive coordinator to recognize what's happening. Um, I think that what killed Cliff Kingsbury in games where Tech really needed to score and couldn't get like one more, you know, because what we remember a lot about the Cliff Kingsbury era is a lot of high scoring. But what I remember distinctly were key possessions where you had to get a drive and Kingsbury's throwing 50 yard deep balls three times in a row and punting it away because he gets, he was the, him and many other smart offensive coordinators. Lincoln Riley's one. Andy, Andy Reid does this to a degree. You know, the great offensive coordinators of our generation all do this. Um, of the, This football generation, I'd say, since they're all ages. They all do this. They get into their heads that we have to constantly be trying to outsmart the defensive coordinator. And where it stands out the most is a game against an FCS team. Because what happens against FCS teams is you get offensive coordinators who are still trying to game what's happening. Now, I think Sonny Cumbie has called, you know, a okay couple of games. You know, there's not much you can do if your offensive line is not going to block. You know, you just there there just is a limit to what you can call when that's happening. But the problem is, in against an FCS team like SFA, Tech's most successful drives were where we just turn and handed the ball off every play, and what drives me nuts. What drives me absolutely nuts is you get games where, or you get moments in this game where it just felt like you're going to pick up five to seven yards on the ground. You know, you're going to pick up five to seven yards on the ground every time. That that's you know, if you hand the ball off to Brooks, that's about what you're looking at. You know, he averaged for the game nearly 10 yards a carry. Xavier Wright averaged over 12. You know, when Shuck was running, he was for, I think he picked up between 7 to 15 every time he scrambled. So the, the thing that was working was running the ball. So why, why did, you know, when you're looking at these touches, we only attempted, what is this, 18 called rushes, you know? 
the majority of your offense. In fact, for reference, Tyler Shuck threw for 174 yards in this game. Terrible showing for the passing game. The ground game on 28 carries total, including Shuck's six and Mile Price's two, and then another two random ones that they just call team. I don't know what ESPN's classifying that is. So that if you take out 10 carries down to that 18 number between your two lead backs, you rushed for 191 yards between your two lead backs and 18 carries. I I understand why you keep throwing the ball in the situation because you're trying to work on what you need to work on. You know, it's an FCS team. The belief should be is just doing what you do should work. But it wasn't working last night. Or, excuse me, Saturday night. It wasn't working. And what's incredibly frustrating is to watch an offensive coordinator refuse to acknowledge that. You have to win these games. Here's the, the... the, the God's honest truth about this game is that Tech probably deserved to lose it. You know, they did not play well enough offensively to justifiably win. And to be honest, the defense, as well as they played, gave SFA plenty of chances to take the lead here. In fact, if you go back, there's a arguably pretty clear defensive pass interference on that fourth down in the game. I think SFA scores if that's called. I was convinced Tech was going to blow this because SFA shoved it down the defense's throat in that little two-minute drill. You know, and there's a reason why that happens. It's because Sonny Cumbie realizes that he can't throw the ball, continues to call it. You know, look, I understand this isn't, you know, Sonny Cumbie's a product of the air raid. We run a spread offense. Tech fans expect us to throw the ball. But you have a back who's basically untouchable. You got another back who, you know, is a bit more mortal, but still has already rolled off a huge run in the game. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that in this game, with a potential for a massive loss, one of the worst losses in Tech history on the line, we continue to stick to the idea that we have to do our thing. Because here's the thing. Against an FCS team, I mentioned this, but, you know, you're working on what you want to work on. When it became apparent that we couldn't do that, all that should, the, the switch should have flipped. Run the damn ball, bury this team, get out of dodge. You know, you're not picking up useful tape from an FCS team embarrassing your offensive line. That's not useful. If anything, I think that hurts their confidence to constantly drop back in a pass set in a night where they could not get it together. You know, it hurts shock to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think a a glaring uh, stat to look at here as well, they doubled our first downs. They had 22 first downs. We only had 11. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm doing this math correctly, uh, they ran 91 plays. And I think we ran uh, 50. So 91 plays to 50. That is huge. Yeah, and because here, here's what's... What blows me away the most about that, right, is one of the reasons why Tech ran so few plays was because either the ground game picked up huge gains or as a comma made a great individual play. Tech, for the season, has not sustained a drive worth a shit. The opening drive against Houston was maybe the best drive of the season, and it ended in a fumble. You know, Tech has scored off big plays, the vast majority of which are coming on the ground. Taj Brooks is no joke arguably right now the most effective back in the Big 12. Now, it's against lesser competition, but the numbers are the numbers. We can worry about that when we get to the end when Sir Roger Thompson's back, but even if we normalize for competition, 
You know, we, we say that, you know, that he can't possibly do what he's doing to these lower defenses against, you know, the better defense of the Big 12. The Big 12 is only fielding a couple of really competent defenses at any given time. You know, the, it's not like the Big 12, the Big 12 improved defensively, but almost all of the Big 12 has looked extremely susceptible to the ground game. Texas couldn't stop Arkansas. Iowa State couldn't stop Iowa. Oklahoma couldn't stop Tulane. You know, uh, uh, TCU, probably a better defensive team. Baylor's probably a better defensive team, but we don't really know about them. They haven't played anybody great yet. But, you know, besides, really, TCU, I don't feel confident about any defense in the Big 12 this year, at least at stopping the ground game. You're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to sustain drives this year. You have to run the ball because the most effective passing play Tech is going to have is the fact that there is not a corner in the nation that can cover as a comma right now. You know, what he's doing is special. It, it is not normal for a receiver to be put in brackets like teams have tried to do to him and have him beat them. You know, the, the, his, his yards after catch are insane. It's not like he's getting wide open. He's making these plays himself. This is everybody remembers um, uh, um, Wallace from Oklahoma State a few years ago. This was the stuff he did. He was just unstoppable when they got him the ball. You know, we're not going to be able to get him the ball as much as we have in the past. If we have a better offensive line, you know, there is a very good chance the Tech leads the nation in passing yards again because Ezekiel is uncoverable, and that's going to open up holes for the receivers. But it's not going to happen this year. I think what this what this game demonstrates is the offensive line just doesn't have it. So run the ball. I mean, I'm, uh, people may jump all over me because I, I am 100% a proponent of thinking the triple option's fun, but to some degree, you do need to convince, you know, be convinced of the fact that numbers don't lie. You're giving up an outrageous numbers of sacks. I saw, by the way, for those of you who don't listen to the coordinator's calls, and I'm going to ask Kendall about this here in a minute. I've talked enough. I'm just going to keep getting mad about this run game crap. But there was a quote. From the Houston game, after the game, where Cumbie talks about the offensive line grading out as B- and talking about all the sacks he blamed on Shuck. It's coach speak, guys. It's coach speak. It's confidence building. The offensive line is responsible for what's happening right now. You know, Shuck might pick up a sack from coverage. That happened a lot to uh, 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 Columbia last season. But it, if you can't block an empty set for two seconds, it needs to be out of the playbook. And that it's just going to be a coordinator adjustment to realize Tech's going to have to win a different way. I think they can. The run fit's been great. But yeah, like I said, I've talked enough about the run game. I, I, I'm a, People have been jumping on me on Twitter because I've been obsessed about it. But Kendall, offensive line problems aside, you know, to some degree, we have to talk about the fact that Ezukama is the only receiver with receptions. You know, even does it say something about the receiving core that Shuck really only feels confident in his few brief moments of freedom to throw the ball to one receiver. Yeah, it does scare me quite a bit. Not necessarily with these first couple games. Like if it's working and that's fine. But as we get into big 12 play, you're not going to be able to zero in on just one receiver with defenses like, OU, Texas, and especially Iowa State, uh, their defensive backs are just going – they're going to double-team as we call them a straight up, and you're going to need players like Price to step up. And I think that – and that was really noticeable with Iowa State this weekend and their defense. The one thing that I thought that 
really worried me about when Tech goes up against them is their corners were really good about keeping Iowa's receivers in front of them and not getting beat deep. And I think that that's going to bring some problems because Ezukama does get a lot of yards after catch, but when you don't even have other receivers that you can trust to maybe even just get a big play outside of him, then it's going to create a lot of issues down the road. And I think that they need to find some more weapons on the outside for Shuck to throw to. And I just think that some players need to kind of break out of some sorts if we want this offense to be more effective. And obviously the offensive line has to give Shuck time too. But we've already talked about that enough. But on the other end, these we need some other receivers and playmakers to step up this year if we want the offense to have any shot at improving. I'll redirect that to you, Jack, because I think Kendall makes a great point. And, you know, the receiving core, at to some degree, the times that Ezekama has not touched the ball, some bad things have happened when other receivers have. But we talked about this after the Houston game, so I'll ask you again. Who is going to become number two? You know, somebody has to. Kendall just talked about it. Somebody's got to take some of this pressure off if Shuck's going to have any chance of putting up some numbers this year. So who's it going to be? I think you look at that Houston game. The Houston game, we came out in the second half and we moved the ball through the air effectively. Well, you go back through your mind, who was the, st- uh, the second receiver that game? It was Travis Koontz. And you had, when you have quality input from that tight end position, whether it be Travis Koontz or uh, Mason Tharp, you open this offense completely up. And I think it gives this offense a second dimension because, you know, everyone's going to be expecting, you know, after this game especially, for Tech to run the ball all the time. You get you get in there in a two-tight end set even maybe, which is going to look really weird to all the uh, air raid lovers. I'm one of those people. I love the air raid. I love the leash years. I love when you go back and you look through the stat book and you see that B.J. Simmons threw for 600 yards in this game or, you know, that Graham Harrell threw for 550 yards against SMU or whatever. I love that. But you're going to have times where you need to, as you said earlier, run the damn ball. Just do it. So you run the ball, and you know what? You look at this kind of as a normal football offense you know you run the ball enough what does that set up it sets up the play action you have huge tight ends our tight ends are not small you have a tight end that's six foot nine and weighs 250 pounds that is not a small human you need to utilize it so i would say i would look at the tight end position but you also need to look at another receiver you have to have another receiver step up you have to I don't think I don't think Kalen Geiger even had a target in this last game. Chuck didn't have the time to even make a second read in a lot of these. And I mean, who can blame him? Ezukama is going to be his first read on pretty much every play, and every team's going to know that. As was already mentioned, he's good enough to be the first read and for everyone to know he's going to be the first read and he's still going to get 6 or 7 catches a week but you have to have someone else step up. This is a very concerning issue 
looking at this offense right now. Miles Price has somewhat stepped up. You need Kalen Geiger to step up. I don't know why for the life of me, but I mean, you're going to leave Ezukama in as often as you can, but you have to get people like Fonji off the bench. I know he backs up Ezukama. You got to get that dude in the game. He's a playmaker. We saw it last year at Oklahoma State when he had that touchdown grab. The kid is a natural playmaker. You have to find spots where people like that can get on the field. Have him learn another position. Have him just learn a couple plays where we can maybe line him up in the slot or move someone into the slot that can make plays when our slot receivers aren't making those plays. You have to find time and plays that allow the playmakers to make plays. What I think is going to... and. Okay, let me say this real quick because I want to make one thing perfectly clear is I took a lot of my first talk to talk about Kambi, who I admittedly was not high on when we hired. But, you know, one of the reasons he was hired is to run the air raid. You know, that Matt Wells hired him to run the air raid. What I think makes this so difficult for the offense to get right is because you are not going to be able to run the air raid. At least not right now. Not in the sense that we've all understood it, which... You know, here, here's the honest to God shoots the matter in its purest form. The air raid is about one, two quick reads where the defense isn't. So you, the, the, what is going to work for this passing attack is what tech fans don't want to see, which is a lot of nickel and dime underneath stuff. Cause that's all we have time to develop when we've gone deep this year successfully. Most of those plays have involved moving shuck outside the, the pocket and targeting downfield or shuck getting himself out of the pocket and targeting downfield. That's still going to be in your playbook. That's going to be how you attack deep. You're going to have to move Shuck outside. What's going to make this so hard for Tech fans to accept is, you know, we we're talking about the tight end and these secondary receivers that need to step up. Where you're going to have to get them is, you know, little little slants, drag routes, curls, screens, which I know is like every Tech fan's nightmare, but you're going to have to throw the ball to them that way. Because here, you know, if Shuck's first read is always going to be as a comma, the only way you're going to force him to go to somebody else is you're going to call these little shots to other players. Call it under that little underneath stuff. You don't have time. I thought we were going to have time this year to go for 10, 15-yard routes, things that are a bit more exciting, a bit more chunky plays. You don't have that time. So what are you going to do? you got to go underneath. And that's where you need guys like Geiger to really step up. You need Miles Price to really step up. Uh, um, I'm not the biggest Dalton Rigdon fan, but you need him to step up because you're going to move the ball how Cumbie wants to, and Cumbie's an air raid guy. So the only way we're going to move the ball through the air is that you're going to have to find little five, six-yard routes to pick up this, this short stuff so that you have time to get the ball out. For these old, for the old-school people that listen to this pod, this is going to be, for this offense to work, you need people, if you remember the leech years back when Graham Harrell and Crabtree were throwing deep all the time, you always had Eric Morris as that little out route from the slot. You need to utilize that again. You need to have someone like Mannix or Rigdon in there to be able to get someone just on like a little quick little five yard out from the slot underneath Ezukama. Ezukama's running deep, then run a little out toward the sideline as your second read on the same side. It's not rocket science. It's just putting people where the defense isn't. And I think that that part of the leech offense was very underrated in that sense that. A lot of the stuff was open deep because 
defenses were very worried about, you know, oh, it's third and six. This kid is running a six yard out to the sideline and we're going to stop them from getting first down. Oh, wait, we didn't put enough uh, eyes on the guy deep. Boom. We just got burned over the top. I think that a lot of this kind of stems from that. And I think that if you want to be successful, you need to utilize, as you said, it was perfect. You know, the short outs, the quick slants, quick throws that, you know, only take a second, a second and a half to develop because right now that's all you're getting from this O-line. Yeah, and I mean, what, what what's concerning, especially about this, is what's happening is, so teams know that you can't really develop plays. They're getting home with four or five-man rushes. So they're pressing. Most better corners in the, in the Big 12 are going to press coverage you. You have to get separation. Why Chuck has to go to Ezekama is he's the only guy getting free. So you got to have these guys step up, make a play, gets a little bit of separation. You know, this 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 offense, I think we all had hoped, was really going to take a step forward. And maybe the offensive line really gets it together and does that. You know, I, I still want to believe that we're seeing some early game bugs and they'll work it out. But you can't fix lack of ability. And I hate calling out individual players, but Caleb Rogers hasn't blocked for two straight games. I mean, he just he hasn't blocked. The right side of the offensive line has collapsed every snap and most of the time they're just running around him i i I have liked what i've seen from storm it's everybody else that can't seem to block i mean it's just i you can't fix that if it's not there it's not there so you got to find a different way to win how you're going to do it is you're going to have to call routes that beat press coverage you got to have guys who can beat press coverage and you got to run the ball um We've talked a lot about the offense, and with good reason, because they are basically entirely responsible for what happened on Saturday. However, the defense got a lot of credit for the win. Deservedly so. You only win that game because of some big defensive stops. But it was not very pretty. Uh, from from a, a spectator standpoint, SFA missed as many sh- as many shots as the defense forced stops. There were plenty of times where guys were open and things could have happened if the SFA quarterback was just a bit better. Um, the reality of the situation is SFA drove down Tech's throat with relative ease in big situations when stops were critical. And at the end of the game in particular, just Tech just barely hung on there. So you had a guy, yeah, you had a guy for Stephen F. Austin Gibson. 13 catches, 158 yards. That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd to give up. And as I was sitting there watching it, it was a lot of, like we said earlier, it's the quick slants. This guy got targeted on quick slants, and they got the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. And boy, he did his thing. Let me tell you, that dude was explosive. Yeah, and what's what's frustrating about it is because it's not like I think most of us think Tech doesn't have talent in the secondary. You know, you got you brought in these transfers for the reason that they've all played at the higher level. You're pretty deep defensively, and it begs the question: What's going wrong? And you know, Kendall, you're looking at the defense as a whole, and you, you're you're trying to assess what's causing what allowed SFA to. Re- I mean, let's face it: SFA stuck it down Tech's throat a lot. You know, their scoring drives were long more or less, other than, you know, the turnover drive. 
and you know, from what you saw, what is happening to Tech's defense that seems to have it all out of sorts? Well, I, the one thing that definitely doesn't help is how damn long they were on the field. I mean, 40 minutes of game time being out on the field is obviously not ideal. And, you know, four turnovers by the offense is going to do that whether on the fleet where the defense is on the field way longer than it needs to be. And even when they're getting stops, it's like it seems like it was just so quick that the defense was right back out there. And as, a game, as the game went on, it definitely had a negative effect on the defense as a whole. And I think that the offense just needs to have sustained drives from here on out. Because the defense, we saw the Houston game, when the defense can get off the field and get some rest and the offense actually moves the ball, they were phenomenal in that second half. And I think for them – to really play at their best, they're going to need a lot of help from the offense to sustain drives throughout the year, or else they're just going to be getting torched all year. I think what you said is valid. To, to a large degree, Tech's inability to sustain drives is killing the defense's ability to stay on the field. Um, you know, I think Jack talked about in his defensive players of the week and his defensive uh, articles so far that you know what has hurt tech is just the, the the sheer amount of of time you have to be on the field and what you talked about is is critical is critically to recognize because here's the other crazy part about it tech has only scored on explosive plays basically in fact i think entirely explosive plays i don't think they've sustained a drive all year that's ended in a touchdown um those plays are great but you know what they do is they cut your time of possession in half so to Kendall's point, if the offense is going to move fast, they need to score. Because if you're going to force the defense back onto the field in two and a half minutes, three minutes anyways, because that's just what's happening. you know. And this is where I think a lot of teams have started to move away from the hyperspeed spread offenses because it's just exhausting. But you know, if you're only scoring in two and a half, three minutes, at least you're getting a big momentum wave. You know That, that can sustain the defense to get back out on the field. When you're you know, out on the field for a minute 30 and you're throwing screen, deep ball that's incomplete, sack. You know, the defense is coming out there exhausted and frustrated because it feels like nothing's going their way. So I think what Kendall points out is an underrated part of what's killing um, Tech right now is just the sheer amount of time offenses are able to control the ball. Now, to some degree, against U of H, that's on the defense. You know, you, you gave up a drive that was a quarter long. You got to get that stop. But in SFA, the opposite problem was true. Offense could not hold on the ball to save their damn lives, and that did hurt. Now, I'm going to throw this over to Jack with a, a similar question. Um, Kendall's point about time of possession is one aspect of what's gone wrong. What else has gone wrong defensively that has allowed teams to sustain these extremely long drives against tech. I think uh, lack of time together in a game situation for this secondary. Uh, if you look at the stats from this past game, you had five guys over 20 yards receiving for Stephen F. Austin, and that's not a uh, recipe for success for any game. Uh, I don't care if you're playing Stephen F. Austin uh, Lubbock Cooper or Alabama. 
that's not a that's not a winnable success formula. Um, Kendall also pointed out a great uh, stat: Tech turned the ball over four times. Uh, that's not going to win you very many games when you turn the ball over four times and you don't generate any turnovers. Uh, there are a couple times that you know this. I believe Stephen F. Austin fumbled the ball twice, but got both back. And, um, you know, that's, that's not, uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to get them all, uh, that you force, but you know, you have to, you have to give this defense some rest at some point in time. You know, you have to maintain a drive on offense. These guys are dog tired. I mean, you're talking about 120 minutes of total time of possession so far, two 60-minute games. This defense has been out on the field for about 75 minutes out of that 120 minutes. And that's just, that's just, it's, let's be honest, it's too much. It's too much. And it stems from exactly like you said, uh, you throw the ball on first down, it's a screen. It goes for two yards. Okay. Next one, you throw an incomplete pass. And then third down, you know, you're you th- try to throw it again, uh, fifteen yard out, and it's nowhere close. You airmail the receiver. Okay, so you've burned about forty five seconds total of game time, and that's not going to work when you need to have your defense get some rest. And you know, I wrote, I mean, in my article today, I mentioned that stat where they've been on the field for about 75 minutes, which is over a full game out of what you've played so far. And, you know, back in the day, and I hate to keep, you know, going back to the leech years, da, 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 but it still proves true. Back in that air raid style, you know, we threw the ball all the time, but guess what? We controlled the ball. We were the ones controlling the ball for 40 minutes of the game. It wasn't the other way around. We didn't have the ball for, you know, 10, 15 minutes out of 60. You know, it, it was us that had the ball for 40 because we were we were just chipping it. We were, it was just chip at them, you know? You had the ball for, and you were going to throw the ball, you know, 60 times a game. But you know what? Each drive that you were on was going to be at least, you know, 12 to 15 plays. I would like to see, as a Tech fan, just a single drive this weekend against FIU that goes over eight plays. I would be very, I would be very happy with a drive that goes over eight plays that ends in a score, some type of points. But Overall, with the defense, I think that what Kendall said is very valid. This defense isn't getting any rest. They're on the field for long drives because another huge problem with the defense is they can't get off the field on fourth down. Yeah, you know what? On Saturday, Stephen F. Austin was 5 of 21 on third down. That's a great stat. 20%, 23%, something like that. But on fourth down, they were five of eight, obviously over half. So, and in the Houston game, I believe Houston was five of five on fourth down. So overall, you're 10 of 13. The the offense is 10 for 13 on fourth downs against you all season. That's not a good stat because that means you can't get off the field. Um, 
it's 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 hard to think about because this defense is very talented. It has a lot of depth in certain areas, but I don't care how much depth you have when you're on the field for over two thirds of the game in every game you play. It's not a recipe for success. So I'm going to take a different tack because we've talked about the, the time of possession and you brought up a point I want to get into my problem. My problem with Tech's defense right now is teams are able to throw the ball underneath with ease. Now, one of the things Tech has also had the problem with is not covering anybody at all. I I, I tend to agree with with Jack some there where some of that just gets worked out from the fact like Reggie Pearson has not played much football. It has been a long time since he's played, you know, really, really sustained football. It's been... Oh, what, two years since he played a game when Houston came around? You know, Adrian Fry is just now shifting back to his natural position. DeMarcus Field's not even on the on the field anymore. He's your more most experienced defensive back. You know, you, you've got a, a secondary that is not great with their communication yet. But here's the problem. Why are teams so successful in fourth down? They're in fourth and one. How I can't tell you how unbelievably annoying it is that teams are so easily getting to fourth and inches, fourth and one. Because he, he, the Houston's first drive, that really long one, I think they went for fourth down three times. I think cumulatively they picked up like two and a half yards. But that's all it took on most of those fourth down attempts. Tech is giving up a lot of yards on first and second down. And the reason why is it's not because teams can run the ball. You know, nobody yet has run the ball well on Tech. There have been some big runs given up. Clayton Toon's big runs on the ground with his legs. But in terms of just being able to turn around and hand the ball off, nobody's done it effectively. What's killing teams is Tech is playing backed-off coverage because they can't cover deep right now. If you believe it's like I do, that it's communication problems. They're giving up five to six yards. Teams are taking that, making a man, making a play, and picking up you know four to five chunks, four or five-yard chunks. This is what ba- people forget what... Art Bryles was never the greatest offensive coach. What Art Bryles did effectively more so than most was just the, he was willing, he had quarterbacks and was willing to just throw five yard routes. He'd throw seven yard routes because he knew, he knew that if you've got a quarterback, he's going to complete that throw, which now most college quarterbacks can consistently, then you can move the ball down the field. So where Tech's made adjustments now is then, okay, what's press? We saw Keith Patterson switch to press. That hurt, you know, Stephen F. Austin's ability to complete stuff underneath, but then they were getting beat over the top, which brings us to another problem. You had two sacks against an FCS team. Two sacks against an FCS team. And I I haven't talked about this before because I don't ever like to disparage FCS teams too much. You know, that is a well-coached football team that played very hard. But guys, do not buy into the trap that that team has a single guy on it that Tech wanted. There's not a guy on that team Tech would have touched with a 10-foot pole. There's not a guy on that team most group of five teams would have touched with a 10-foot pole. You were bigger, stronger, and faster and mustered up two sacks. You know, it, it, it speaks to how open they were able to get and how badly the defensive line played for large chunks of the game. And part of that boils down to, like we've talked about, the time of possession thing. We're not particularly deep on the defensive line. Those guys are big boys. They do not have endless motors. 
but two sacks against an FCS team. When we gave up short routes, they were getting beat on them. When we tried to press cover, we couldn't get home with pressure, so guys were going over the top. The only thing this defense does well is the thing we knew they were going to do well, which is nobody can run the ball on them effectively. No no ground-heavy team is really going to think that they can do that well against this linebacker core and this this secondary. They come down too fast. They fill holes too well. They fly sideline to sideline. It's just it's not going to be your bread and butter to run the ball on this team. But if you can't cover short or deep right now and you can't get home for large portions of the game, you're going to struggle. You know, that that face mask penalty, by the way, that late drive face mask penalty by Hutchins. Now, he makes a great play towards the end to put Stephen F. Austin behind the chains that effectively allowed Tech to win that game. That face mask penalty is pure exhaustion and frustration. He was struggling to get home. He's running out of gas. He reached out with a big paw and went high. It was just exhaustion breaking down technique. But to be honest, it never should come to that against an FCS team. I, I There's just... Against group of five teams, hell, even against Kansas, I expect you to be have some issues getting home to the quarterback. Against an FCS team and a bottom tier one at that, you should get home easily with four man pressures. And Tech didn't do that, so it was people want to heap praise on the defense because they are responsible for this win and the win against Houston. And in which Houston they played great against SFA. I wasn't impressed. I think SFA beat themselves as much as Tech made stops. And, you know, the offense is as much a part of that, keeping them on the field. But I, I was extremely disappointed with the defensive performance against Stephen F. Austin. I think I think that that's pretty valid in some areas. Uh, I think, you know, you got to look. I, I agree with your take on the penalty. It, it was, they were dog-ass tired. You know, you're getting into... Uh, two minute territory out of in the fourth quarter. These guys had already been out there for 38 minutes uh, in this game when that drive even starts, and they did ram it down throat. And that that face mask penalty, I, I found it interesting that the guy just stopped. The quarterback just stopped. He didn't try and do anything, which I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before on a football field, but. That was on third down. That extended the drive. So I think that, you know, and he said it and in the post game. you know, they interviewed Jalen Hutchings. He, he did go to the presser with uh, Tyler Shuck, and he said, you know, that was my bad. He's like, I let my teammates down, so I'm going to make up for it when they're in the red zone. God, I mean, yeah, sack, uh, QB hurry, tackle for loss, and another – what they didn't count it in the stat sheet as a QB hurry, but I would have, um, you know, he was back there on four straight plays when they're in the red zone to end the game. Um, here's my thing. It should have never come to that. It should have never come down to allowing them to have a final drive to march down the field. It should have never been close in all reality. If you look at the talent breakdown in both of these teams, Tech should have taken those 22 points that F, that SFA scored, put it in their score column, and won this game probably 56 to 3, 56 to 7. And you, this is a classic case of a team that was told all week of how good they played in the second half the week before. They underprepared, and 
they came out and they got, and I'll say it, they came out and they flat got knocked on their ass. They scored seven points in the first half. That's abysmal. That's terrible. I don't know how you can sit there and say, yeah, you know, we tried our best, but we only scored seven points against Stephen F. Austin in the first half. That's terrible. You have to have some sort of need and some sort of want to go out there. And the, like you said, no offense to these FCS teams. You have to want to go out there and make a statement. Step on these teams' throats and not let up, even when you're up by 35 points. You know what? We're up 35 to nothing in the third quarter, but guess what? I'm about to go down there and run three plays, and, and, all th- and they're all going to be deep passes, and we're going to score. That's got to be the mindset. But this team has to have a killer instinct. The only group that I've really seen that that killer instinct from on the offensive side of the ball has been the running backs, minus Eric Ezukama, which is a little disheartening to me at this point in time. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something, and then I'm gonna throw this to Kendall because I I want to get his thought on before we close out on season long projections, both of you. But what I want to say is there, the, you reminded me of something that I wanted to get to in this game. And I tweeted about this at the time uh, from our, from the Viva account. I am sick and tired of tech playing down to bad teams. The biggest reason I am deeply concerned about Matt Wells' long-term future at tech. And now I'm not on the fire him yet crowd. You won the game. You know, you survived what would have been the worst loss tech has sustained maybe ever if not one of the top three worst losses the program sustained in a very, very long time. You survived. And at the end of the day, 2-0 and is 2-0. and And you can flip the script beating up on FIU. But what I am so exhausted of is Matt Wells not looking like he can get his guys up for the game. Because it, it, it blows me away how unprepared we look regularly against these teams. I mean, I don't know if they look ahead I don't know if the practices are lack, lackadaisical. I, I don't, I'm not there. And, I, you know, you don't want to read in too much since I'm not in these meeting rooms. But to some degree, a trend is a trend. You have played badly against bad teams. Matt Wells lost to Kansas and barely beat them last year. Last year's Baylor team was terrible. And if Colin Schooler doesn't make a great individual play on the goal line, you lose that game going away. So, you know, it just, it, I, I'm sick of that. And talking about Matt Wells, I said at the beginning, none of us are advocating him to be fired. You know, we're not we're not on the fire Matt Wells crowd. We're merely pointing out a problem that has to get fixed if he is going to succeed this year. So, Kendall, I'm going to go to you. Um, this is you're going to go first on this one. You're looking at the coaching staff right now. You're looking at you know that most people consider this make or break year for Matt Wells. After what you saw Saturday, how are you feeling about where Tech can finish? And, uh, you know, what, what, what do you want to see the coaching staff change to get this going? I'm actually probably a little more optimistic than a lot of people are right now, strictly because what I've seen from the Big 12 this year has not blown me away by any means. Because as bad as Tech did play, there was multiple teams in the Big 12, like Kansas State, they didn't lose, but they struggled against SIU. And Oklahoma State, the first two weeks, has struggled against very mediocre opponents. And Texas just got wiped by Arkansas. And 
Iowa State got ran off the field by Iowa this week. And it it leaves a little room for optimism that there's still games within the Big 12 each week that I don't feel that Tech is going to be just like completely out of. Because at the beginning of the year, I might have felt that, you know, that Iowa State game could have been chalked up as an L and at Texas could have been chalked up as an L. But a lot of the teams in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma haven't really shown that they're in any other tier. So I'm somewhat optimistic for that this coaching staff can get it turned around this year and still have a successful season. But it starts this week against FIU and coming out and taking care of business and get going into that first Big 12 game with a lot of momentum because obviously at UT is not ideal to start, but we're just going to have to go and that will really be a big game for Matt Wells. So I think it starts by taking care of FIU rather easily this week. Our resident Iowa fan being Kendall, I know he was pumped up about that win. Um, watched it very closely. Um, big win for the for the for the Hawkeyes. Um, a surprising outcome, I think most would say. You know how dominant Iowa was in that game. How badly Brock Purdy played. Um, as a little side well, note, continue. Obviously, Iowa's defense is every year. It's usually up there, but like I don't think. Not even I could have expected the first two weeks what they've done offensively, but especially against Iowa State, I just felt that, you know, Purdy and Hall would create a lot of problems, but that whole Iowa State offense the first two weeks has just looked so out of sorts, and I don't really understand it all that much with how many pieces they had come back this year. So, I don't know. I was caught very off guard at how that game went. Yeah, they're screwing my fantasy team, that's for sure. Hey, I have Purdy. He got benched, so Oof. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where he to go with that. Ugh. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna start fantasy for the Big Twelve season. I was looking at it. I think we're gonna that breaks out the bracket well. So we're gonna have to discuss. You know, what do we do about some of these guys who are not gonna see the field? Uh, we're gonna have to figure that out because uh, we need to we need to talk about trades and the waiver wire at this point. Yeah, already. Well, well, I'm, I'm having I'm having second thoughts about my team if I'm being honest. We may let some guys go to second stringers, you know, pick up the guy who is now the starter. Uh, especially if you had Skylar Thompson, which I might have. I think you do. I'm pretty you sure you do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure year. you do. Now, I will say one thing that the point I like the most that Kendall made is about the health of the Big 12 this year as a football program, uh, as, a, as, a, as a football conference. Coming into this year, this was expected to be a very good year for the conference. OU was supposed to be the best it's ever been. Iowa State was supposed to be its competitor. Texas was supposed to be, you know, chomping at the bit to get back. TCU, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas State, these programs are all expected to take a step forward. Now, Iowa State, I was never high that high on compared to some, just because I think that on a pure talent level, they're not overwhelmingly talented. They have some great pieces. Hilariously enough, they're all on the offense. So I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what's going on with Brees Hall. I don't know what's going on with Kolar. I don't know what's going on with Purdy. You know, I don't know what what's driving that bus into the ground. But the bright side for Tech is is that they don't look that good defensively either. You know, I don't think anybody describes Iowa as a dominant offensive unit. Iowa moved the ball pretty well. You know, that's a good Iowa team. 
don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Tech is a top 10 Iowa team, but, you know, this may not be a very good Iowa State team. You know, it's I think the Cyclone fans are going to have to start to accept that this team might fall more towards the middle. They're not going to be bottom tier bad anymore, but this they may have missed their window if this team doesn't pull it together. Um, Oklahoma looked mortal against Tulane. Texas looked awful against Arkansas, who, by the way, I don't buy as good. You know, I know people are putting them in the top 25. That's an overreaction because the AP poll feeds on itself. I think Arkansas is going to finish near the bottom of the West again. Uh, uh, like Kendall said, you know, the, the Big 12 looks weak. Now, can Tech still make things happen in it with our problems? Because, you know, Kansas State loses Skylar Thompson. That's why they almost lose that game. You know, Kansas State is going to be screwed as long as they don't have him. Because as good as Deuce Vaughn is, you know, you need a quarterback. And they don't have one right now. So they're in trouble. But, uh, you know, with our problems, we don't have any injuries to fall on. We're healthy. Knock on wood, you know, we'll remain healthy. But um, I I am f- my, I believe the ceiling is probably about where it was if Tech turns it around. I think the floor is scary low now. You know, I think that if you fundamentally can't work out how to pass block and Sonny Cumbie doesn't adjust as an offensive coordinator to what's happening well enough, because, um, you know, you may have to do what Baylor did a couple years ago where they ran out of quarterbacks. You're going to have to run the ball as much as possible. But say, say you can't fix the pass blocking, you don't do that, the defense still looks discombobulated in the secondary, you can lose a lot of games. I don't want to believe that's going to happen. You know, I want to believe that you're still seeing transfers trying to sort it out, that Caleb Rogers and that right side of the offensive line figure it out, and, you know, that you start to gel and coaches make adjustments, you start to take a step forward. I still think the team is talented. I think the Big 12 was exposed in the preseason as being not as good as anybody thought. Um, I think that you, other than Oklahoma, who I still think is out of reach, I think everybody else is within grasp. Nobody else has enough overwhelming talent or coaching or ability or whatever to get past you and breeze through. You know, nobody's looked that good besides, I think just OU is going to be that, is just so talented, so well coached. Spencer Rattler, if he turns the corner, it's game over for everybody. Um, but if he doesn't, even if OU continues to look mortal, even they're within reach. You know, they're, 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 this isn't like Clemson and the ACC necessarily. You know, there, there are good teams in the Big 12, but there aren't many overwhelmingly great teams. Um, do I think that Tech can win the conference? No, like I said, I think OU's out of reach. I still think Iowa State or Texas is going to get past you, even in the high end. So I still say the ceiling's about third place. I'm just worried that the floor, the bottom's fallen out and the floor is a lot lower now. I, I, I'm not saying you're going to lose to Kansas. I'd never predict that loss. But if, if you play like you did against SFA for the year, if that's what we're going to see all season, and against you know what you did against Houston, where you had similar problems in that first half before you kind of turned it on, um, you will lose a lot of games. It's going to be on Matt Wells, Sonny Cumbie, and Keith Patterson to make the adjustments needed. So, Jack, you're going to close this out here with the last thoughts. You know, looking out now with what we know now, I ask this basically every week. How do you feel about Tech going forward? Is the reason for optimism? You know, what what can they do to get things going? I pretty much agree with everything you've said. Um, you know, I think that the the floor, <laughs> as sad as it sounds, the floor is incredibly low. Uh, you know, it's very possible that your line stays where it is or possibly gets even worse. 
you lose that game at Texas. You lose a game at West Virginia. You probably lose against TCU at home as well. If your O-line can't figure this out and your secondary just can't gel. Uh, then all of a sudden you're probably at three and three and you're thinking what's next and are, is this team going to make a bowl? Uh, I, I do think you win at Kansas, although Kansas is getting a little cocky and scheduling us for homecoming, which I find pretty funny because we're probably the last team that they beat. I'm pretty sure that the last, we were the last team that they beat before, uh, South Dakota earlier this year. Um, I also agree with the fact that the ceiling is incredibly high. Uh, uh, to me, OU has looked completely mortal. Uh, giving up 35 points to Tulane in Norman, I mean, come on. this That defense, that's trash. That's almost as bad as, I mean, Tech giving up whatever, I mean, in the first couple games to Houston and SFA. I mean... Tulane's kind of right on the Tulane's not as good as Houston and they're not as bad as SFA. So you've given up around 21, 22 points. And so you're kind of right in there also, but giving up 35, that's, that's an issue. And yeah, you know, they won 76 to nothing or whatever this past week against, you know, Eastern Carolina junior college or whoever they played. But, you know, when you start looking at it, OU looks mortal. Uh, Spencer Rattler does lead the conference in passing, um, by 11 yards. God, this hurts me to say, and it might shock both of you to say Max Duggan is ahead of Tyler Shuck in overall passing yards, which is, it hurts me to say. Um, but I mean, Spencer Rattler is only ahead of Jarrett Dagey by 11 yards, um, overall. So, you look at that team, I mean, who knows what you're going to get from that OU team in Norman. I mean, granted, it's in Norman, so it's probably not a positive. Um, at Kansas, you probably win that game. Kansas State, that game completely is completely up in the air, depending on what happens uh, with Skylar Thompson. Uh, if Skylar Thompson's not playing for Kansas State, on like later in October, like that game is, I think you put you put seven or eight guys in the box and you know tell Deuce Vaughn to beat you. Uh, I don't think their backup quarterback can throw the ball. Uh, you know, you have Iowa State after OU uh, again. Brock Purdy has looked suspect. Brees Hall hadn't done really much of anything. Um, Kolar's been MIA. Xavier Hutchinson really hadn't been doing all that much either. So you have an Iowa State offense that's kind of been overall as a unit has been MIA. Uh, then after that, you have Oklahoma State. I still to this day think Spencer Sanders is the worst quarterback in the Big 12, and I will go to my grave. I think the bean kid from Kansas that transferred from UNT is better than Spencer Sanders because all I heard about uh, was how good Spencer Sanders was when he was a freshman and he came to Lubbock and he fumbled the ball four times in a single game. I think Spencer Sanders is the worst quarterback in the Big 12, and I think you can pretty much, you should be able to walk all over Baylor because they can't throw the ball. All they can do is run it, and our run defense has been pretty good so far. 
So I think the ceiling is very high. I also think the floor is very low. Um, it depends on the adjustments as we talked about already. And, you know, this is what you hire specific coaches for. Kirby Hokut hired Matt Wells to get this program back on track. Will he do it? We're two and zero. Will we win six games to get to a bowl? You never know. I mean, we have what ten games left. Will we win four out of the next ten? You know, it, who knows? But you know, we should win this Saturday against Florida International, and we should at least have a couple of wins after that that are pretty much like all but a foregone conclusion. So you like the odds and you want to be optimistic, but as a tech fan, you've been here before. So, you know, what are we going to get? And I think this is where you look at this coaching staff and say, you know what, this was your make or break year. Now's the time to prove why you are here in this uh, position. I'm going to close out our podcast here with my favorite thing, which is Max Duggan's slander. I want to make one thing very clear about Duggan. Duggan's offensive line can block. He was sub-60% against a Cal team that lost to Nevada. He was 73% against, I think that's Duchenne. I mean, who, who, Duggan is a running back that kind of throws the ball, and I will yeah, die Duquesne. before I admit Yeah, Duquesne. 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 Okay. I, I, I might have actually heard of Duchenne, so Duquesne who I have not heard of. And I mean, it's just, so I, I want to make one thing perfectly clear to anybody out here who thinks Mac Duggan's Max Duggan's turned the corner. He hasn't. He, I mean, he's still, his best weapon is on the ground, which he, by the way, has not been very efficient with. I know like sacks get factored into quarterback stats, but he's only averaging a little over three and a half yards of carry right now. He's got one long run on the year, two touchdowns on the ground, He's sub sixty. He's sub seventy percent, or excuse me, sub sixty five percent completion percentage. Two picks against two very bad teams. Um, you know, and he has an offensive line. So Max Duggan still will forever be my candidate for worst quarterback in the Big Twelve. But um, I am I I have mentioned this before. I'm contractually obligated to trash talk him at every opportunity. So you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. But we're going to close out here. This is a great podcast. Hopefully, this will be the last of our really, really kind of sad podcasts. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that we flip the script against FIU, come out guns blazing, and really just dominate a bad team. We didn't really talk about them. Yes, that's a sign of disrespect. No, I'm, I'm still not worried. But, you know, we're going to find out a lot about this tech team, how they respond to adversity on Saturday night. So if you can get to the Jones, be there. That was a great first opening crowd, home opening crowd. Hopefully we can keep the good vibes going without Shaq in the house to get the crowd going and um, wreck them. And hopefully, you know, we come back in a week and everybody's happy again. Have a good night, everybody. Signing off.